0: well good morning everybody happy father's day we're glad you're here this morning thank you for coming out to s-h-e-b-c let's all stand together brother ken will lead us let's make a joyful noise let them hear it over at nelson automotive let's sing together amen we'll be uh, singing when we all get to heaven we'll do three verses
1: of that this morning good to see everyone out when we all get to heaven We'll sing and shout the victory. Shout the victory onward to the prize before us soon his beauty will be whole soon the pearly gates will open we shall tread the streets of gold
0: If you're looking forward to that, say amen this morning. Amen. Good to see you. Thank you so much for coming out. We appreciate your presence. Happy Father's Day to all the dads. We've got a gift for you. We'll give you at the end of the services this morning, but we sure appreciate... You coming out. I hope you've realized and noticed that every drive-in service we've had now, the Lord's given us good weather, and we're thankful for that. Uh, so we appreciate you being here. I've got several prayer requests I want to bring to your attention before we open up in prayer. Of course, pray for Marcia's family and the homegoing of her mother, uh, Sister Annette Rohr's family, and the homegoing of Sister River Smith. Continue to lift up uh, Vicki Turner. I mentioned on Wednesday, pray for my wife's brother, Craig. He's got some heart procedures this week, so we lift him up. Pray also for Ethan Martin, that is Sheila Rohr's grandson. Uh, He uh, had a BB gun uh, that shot him in the eye, and uh, it looks like he may be losing that eye possibly, but we're going to pray the Lord intervenes there. And then pray for Sister Pat Stanford's husband. Uh, She texted us yesterday evening. He's been diagnosed with Rocky Mountain spotted fever. So please pray for him if you would. Brother Stanford, I know they'd appreciate that. And let's pray this morning for God's presence in our services, that he'd have his way. Join us together this morning. Lord, we come to you this morning. In the precious name of Jesus, that name that is above every name. And Lord, we're thankful once again to have the opportunity to assemble ourselves this morning. Lord, I pray your blessings upon our services. Ask that you would speak through us today. May your Son be magnified and glorified in all that we do. Lord, I pray for all of these requests. Uh, Lord, that you would answer each one. We ask that you intervene divinely so that when we would step back, we would be able to say, look what God hath done. Lord, bless the preaching, the singing, May it all uplift the precious name of Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen, amen. You can be seated. Brother Roger singing for us this morning. He's going to come do his first one. Now, again, thank you for being here, Brother Roger. You sing for us, buddy.
2: THIS WORLD HAS GONE CRAZY, FOLLOWING THINGS THAT AREN'T REAL, THEY'RE NOT REAL, BUT THE ROAD THAT I'VE CHOSEN IS THE HIGHWAY OF LIFE, THE ONE THAT LEADS FROM CALVARY TO ETERNITY WITH CHRIST, I'M GONNA STAND UP FOR WHAT I STAND FOR, FIGHT TO THE FINISH AND WIN THE WAR, I'M GONNA KEEP ON RECEIVING FROM THE ONE I BELIEVE IN, I'm gonna stand up for what I stand for. The three Hebrew children casting that fire long ago, so long ago. But they didn't bow down, they wouldn't give in. When the fire had died down, God was standing with them. I'm gonna stand up for what I stand for. To the finish and win the war I'm going to keep on receiving From the one I believe in I'm going to stand up For oh, what I stand
1: And we're going to do when the, the Windows of Heaven. Let's all stand together one more time, if you would. The Windows of Heaven. We'll sing it one time through this morning. I absolutely love this course, The Windows of Heaven. Let's sing it two times through this morning. The windows of heaven are open. The blessings are falling to Made everything right. I gave him my old tattered garments. He gave me a robe of pure white. I'm feasting on manna from heaven, and that's why I'm happy tonight. One more time. The windows of heaven are open, the blessings are falling to. Jesus made everything right. I gave him my old tattered garment. He gave me a robe of pure white. I'm feasting on manna
0: from heaven, and that's why I'm happy tonight. Amen. Thank you so much. You can be seated couple of uh, announcements for you. Ladies, a meeting tomorrow night to continue sewing. Thank you very much for your continued support of that ministry. We appreciate it so very much. Thank you also for those that brought in your back-to-school items today. Uh, today was pens and pencils. Of course, you can bring them in any time, but we appreciate you bringing those in today. Next Sunday, is uh, we'll be collecting paper, uh, packs, wide-ruled and college-ruled, and then also yellow highlighters. A reminder, we're supporting 150 kids. Uh, We'll continue to give you information about the event, but right now we're in the business of collecting all the items. If you're interested in also helping to sponsor a child, You can do that for only $20, and remember the $20 uh, pays for the backpack and the shoes. Again, I said this last week, but I promise you, you can't go to Walmart and get a pair of shoes and a backpack for $20. So uh, if you can help us with that, I'd sure appreciate it. Uh, For those of you that use the online uh, giving system, uh, you've got a category there for back-to-school Uh, If you want to give it with your regular ties, you can include the memo there, and we'll make sure it gets designated appropriately, so please help us out with that if you would. Again, we'll be doing that through the end of July. Then I'll give you one more prayer request. Uh, Aaron Lee was just sharing with me. Some of you from Amazing Grace uh, that were with us in the old building may remember Mrs. Plaster's brother, uh, Jimmy Clark, James Clark. He came with her uh, 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 virtually every service. Uh, He went home to be with the Lord. We just found out about that. Visitation is today from 1 to 2 at Bassett and the funeral is today. So please pray for that family if you would. Come on brothers sing another one for us this morning. Brother Roger.
3: So I would say I have a word from the Lord but I have a word from her which is pretty much the exact same thing. So as most of you are aware uh, two weeks from today, that is July the 5th, we will be celebrating two birthdays. Uh, our assistant pastor, Brother Ken, who has will be turning 44 this year, doesn't look a day over 20. Harry turned 44, same thing. And then our father, my father, recently turned 50, and he looks, yeah. Yeah. So, two weeks from today, July the 5th, we'll be having a birthday celebration for the both of them. We will have catered lunch following the service. Uh, It will be downstairs outside the child care center. Uh, We'll have a cleaning and sanitary services. We'll also have gift baskets set up for uh, my dad and brother Ken. Also, uh, we will also be having a patriotic Sunday contest. We will have three levels of prizes and it will be determined based on the most decorated vehicle, the chair you're sitting in, and the most patriotic family. So again, patriotic, condi- yes, I, mean, I want to see somebody who has their chest painted like an American flag, straight up. I mean, I want to see that, like stars wow. and stripes all the way. And I tell you what, if we take up a $5,000 offering, we'll paint the, the preacher's chest an American flag. Wow. I think that's the will of God. Uh, now, we do say uh, the Saturday before this, July the 4th, we will need your help to set up. We will need patio furniture and umbrellas to be set up downstairs. We'll begin at 10 o'clock on July the 4th. So again, uh, set up July the 4th and then July the 5th, double birthday and patriotic Sunday contest. All outside. Thanks,
0: son. Appreciate that. I know yesterday was a
2: pastor's
1: birthday, but we're going to sing him happy birthday today. How about that? Y'all ready? Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday.
0: Let me tell you two quick things before Brother Roger comes to sing. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Uh, I got all these inboxes and text messages from old people telling me welcome to the club. <laughs> I, I looked at Renee yesterday and I said, why are these old people telling me welcome to their club? Amen. Yesterday morning, uh, as if to put an exclamation point on it, yesterday morning, I was filling out a state survey for the college. And always with these surveys, there's demographic information. You put your gender, you put your ethnicity, and then you've got this age category, and they always have ranges. And typically, it's from 35 to 49. Yesterday, I had to check the category that said 50 to 65. First thing I thought was, well, you know, that's middle age. And then I thought to myself, 65 times, how many 130 year old people do I know? Amen. But God's good. Amen. Come on, Brother Roger.
2: You don't have any gray hair. That's the thing I don't get. I've heard it all my life, even had it memorized, but it was only words to me red letters on a page just something people say till it brought me to my knees those words in John three sixteen. God so loved the world he gave, gave his only son away, a way to save a wretch like me. Me, the one who needed grace, grace to cover every stain, stains that he no longer sees. It's amazing to believe. God so loved the world means even me. How could He see my sin and forgive me even then? Who would pay that kind of price? I've seen what mercy does. He found me where I was. And he gave his life for mine God so loved the world he gave Gave his only son away A way to save a wretch like me Me, the one who needed grace Grace to cover every stain Stains that he no longer sees it's amazing to believe God so loved the world me even me, me. Me with all my failures, me with all my shame, it's the very reason Jesus came. For God so loved the world He gave, Gave his only son away, a way to save a wretch like me. God so loved the world, he gave, gave his only son away, a way to save a wretch like me. Me, the one who needed grace, grace to cover every stain, stains that he. See. It's amazing to believe. It's amazing to believe. That God so of the sure world, means even the God of loved the world means.
0: aren't you glad of that this morning? Praise the Lord. Love that song. Turn with me this morning, please, if you would, to Psalm 112. Psalm 112 is where we'll be reading. Awesome job, Roger. Thank you so much. I appreciate that immensely. Let me uh, start off this morning by stating the obvious. For the first time in my 19 plus years of pastoring and 20-some years of preaching, I am not wearing a suit and tie on a Sunday morning. And I will, uh, before I get any nasty comments in social media, I've not gone liberal. I've not gone contemporary. I'm not changing my Bible. I'm just hot. Amen. I will tell you, about a month ago, uh, after we had a really warm service out here, uh, uh, Susan and Renee came up to me and Ken and said, listen, you guys are sweating like crazy up there. We're going to get y'all some short sleeve shirts, put the church logo on it, and I got in the car with her and I said, hey, I don't know about that. Somebody's going to think all kinds of terrible thoughts. If I stand up and preach without a tie on, without a coat on, they're going to think I've done gone liberal. Two weeks ago, uh, after we had a really hot service, uh, I went inside my office, pulled out a bottle of water, poured it over top of my head. I looked at Susan and said, I'm good with it. It my hand. I decided just to put a smile on your face, I sent a text to Brother Roger last night and said, Look, buddy, Ken and I are wearing short sleeve shirts. Don't think that you got to wear a coat and tie. It's supposed to be warm tomorrow. You do whatever you feel comfortable. Then I put on there, you know, the, 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 the committee that, that, that ordained me, they're probably going to come take back my ordination papers. And he told me this morning, he said, Preacher, don't worry about it. As long as you host a covered-dish dinner, you're okay. Oh, Amen. Amen. And then my son got up here and announced, we're having one, so all is well. (laughs) Psalm 112, if you would, please. Psalm 112. From my records, I don't think that I have ever preached a passage or preached from this passage. I don't think I've ever preached a message out of Psalm 112. But a few days ago, or a couple of weeks ago now, actually, I was having my own personal devotion time and came across this passage And it really kind of jolted me as a reminder of how important fathers are for Father's Day. Let me just pause a moment and say, Brother Randy, I see you got sunglasses on and you're putting your reading glasses over top of them. They have these things at Dollar General, buddy. Eight dollars a pair. Amen. I got four of them. I'll hook you up after church. Psalm 112, let's read together if you would. Notice what Scripture says. Praise ye the Lord, blessed is the man that feareth the Lord, that delighteth greatly in his commandments. His seed shall be mighty upon earth, the generation of the upright shall be blessed. Wealth and riches shall be in his house, and his righteousness endureth forever. Under the upright, there ariseth light in the darkness. He is gracious and full of compassion and righteousness. A good man showeth favor and lendeth. He will guide his affairs with discretion. Surely he shall not be moved forever. The righteous shall be in everlasting remembrance. He shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. His heart is established. He shall not be afraid until he see his desire upon his enemies. He hath dispersed. He hath given to the poor. His righteousness endureth forever. His horn shall be exalted with honor. The wicked shall see it and be grieved. He shall gnash with his teeth and melt away. The desire of the wicked shall perish." We have seen, in the last several years, plenty of examples uh, in media's portrayal of men behaving badly. In fact, may I be honest and say we've seen too many examples in modern society of what happens when people, men in particular, conduct themselves uh, in a way that does not promote godliness. We've seen far too many examples of men behaving badly. Too few today, I'm afraid, are exposed to the Bible's portrayal of what I'm going to call men behaving godly. May I stop a moment and say to you that I think the men of America, we need a wake-up call. We need to be reminded that our world needs godly men today more than ever. Our nation needs godly men today more than ever. We've seen even the last several weeks what happens when men behave badly. It's time that we start seeing some examples of men behaving godly. Our wives need men to be godly men. Our children need men to be godly men. Our businesses need men to be godly men. Our communities uh, need men to be godly men. uh, And our church need men to be godly men. I am convinced, and I hope you'll say amen, because I know I'm going to get hate mail for what I'm about to say, uh, but I am 100% convinced uh, that if families are going to survive in this 21st century chaos, uh, it's going to require some men to set some godly examples of Christian manhood. If families, amen, if families going to survive. They're going to have to understand that rather than kicking men out of the home, we need to have men in the home. If families are going to survive this 20th century mess, we need uh, men to stop behaving badly and men to start behaving godly. I'm 100% convinced that when families crumble and fall apart, Oftentimes, you can trace it back to the fact that the man has abandoned his post. When men fall, the home falls and society reaps the repercussions. Let me say that again. I believe our society is comprised of families. And when men fall, families tumble uh, and society reaps the repercussions. So hear me, uh, when men behave badly, uh, society suffers. uh, But when men behave godly, society is strengthened. Unfortunately, there are men from all walks of life and all demographics who seem to pride themselves uh, in how wicked they can be. God, give us today some individual men who will step up and proclaim, as it states in Psalm 112, that I will be a godly man. I want to give you a message this morning that I'm entitling, Men Behaving Godly. Men Behaving Godly. I want to challenge our men this morning with four specific areas that I am absolutely convinced will help us be the Psalm 112 examples of godly Christian manhood. Four things I'll ask you to note with me. Number one, if we're going to be godly Christian men, number one, we have to recognize and acknowledge the power of our influence. Let me say that again. We have to recognize... And acknowledge the power of our influence. I'm afraid today that too many men have failed to understand the influence that they have upon those around them. Don't misunderstand me. You've been told sometimes, men, that you're not needed. You've been told sometimes that Christian masculinity uh, is a thing of the past, but you hear me, uh, as husbands, uh, we have a powerful influence upon the ladies that we love. Let me say, listen to me. As Christian husbands, uh, we have a powerful influence upon the ladies uh, that we love. A husband has incredible influence in determining the emotional security of his wife. Now, I'm speaking mainly to husbands at the moment. I'll get to everybody else in a minute. But I'm speaking mainly to husbands. And if you don't aim in anything else I say today, I hope you'll aim in this. Men and women think differently. There is more differences between men and women than just the obvious anatomical differences. We don't think the same. We don't react the same. We don't handle things the same. You listen what I'm about to say. I'm being general, but you hear me. Men often do things through their eyes. It is that naturalness that God put in a man, but you hear me. A woman's need is to have an emotional, stable relationship with her husband. That is a, oftentimes a wife's greatest desire. We often talk about we men do. We can't quote John three sixteen, but boy, we can quote wives: submit yourself to your husbands. I know far too many men. That's the only verse in the Bible they know. Ephesians five twenty one tells us twenty four. Pardon me tells us that the husband is indeed the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, a body which he is the Savior. But you understand, being the head of your wife does not mean you're her boss or her taskmaster. It means, in fact, uh, that you are her supply. You are the one that provides her security. You are the one that supplies her satisfaction. And I'm going to give you a Gregology statement. I have not found too many wives uh, who will not willingly submit themselves to their husband's spiritual leadership when the husband does his part. As a wife, she desires that emotional relationship with her husband. And men, we have a powerful influence upon our wives and their emotional stability. Not only do we have that influence over our wives, I hope you'll amen me. As fathers, we have a powerful influence over our children. I'm astounded today at how much society has come to believe that fathers don't matter. Boggles my imagination That you get this messaging that continually is put out that fatherhood doesn't matter. May I just give you some very simple statistics. And you listen very carefully to these. Uh, I'm not asking what you think or feel about them uh, because statistics uh, don't lie. Listen carefully. Daughters. Without a father figure in the home, and that could be a biological father, that could be a stepfather, that could be some kind of godly influence in the home, daughters without a father in the home are 164% more likely to have an out-of-wedlock childbirth. Daughters without a father figure in the home have a 92% higher divorce rate than daughters with a dad in the home. And this is probably the one that guilts me the most or staggers my heart the most. Fathers, sons without fathers in the home, again, sons without fathers in the home are 300% more likely to be incarcerated. Think about that, church. This is not from a conservative publication. This is from the U.S. Department of Health and Bureau of Labor Statistics that tell us that young men without a father figure in the home are 300 times more likely to go to prison. 70% of all men in the prison grew up without a father figure in the home. According to our nation's hospitals, 80, this is astounding, 80% of adolescents admitted to, for psychiatric reasons come from a home where there is no father figure. Don't tell me that daddies don't matter. Don't tell me that a father's influence is not real. I submit to you today, we're seeing a society falling apart and what happens when daddies abandon their posts. Number one this morning, acknowledge Men, the power of our influence. Number two, avoid the pitfalls of our gender. Now listen to what I'm about to say. Avoid the pitfalls of our gender. You amen me a moment ago when I said that anybody who's got two eyes and two ears can quickly understand that there is a huge difference between men and women beyond just the anatomical differences. I hope you'll also amen this, especially you ladies. You, you know, a woman knows a woman. Ladies know ladies. I learned that lesson the hard way. I'll just leave it right there. took me a few years to recognize that a woman knows a woman. But you also understand that if a woman knows a woman, a man knows a man. Men we understand that our natural bent is not towards godliness. Why? We are called the sons of Adam. And that that, that natural bent towards ungodliness, uh, towards sinfulness, uh, gives us our own unique set of challenges. Oh, and quickly hit them, and I'll be very fast. I know you're warm. Let me give you very quickly six pitfalls that far too many husbands and fathers fall into. Number one, arrogant husbands and fathers. Don't look at your husbands, ladies. Look up here. Autocratic husbands and fathers. When God put you as the head of the home, he did not ordain you as the Hitler of the home. Somebody say amen to that. Any wise leader will tell you that he or she takes the advice of those around Then has to make the decision. But you hear me uh, arrogant and autocratic husbands and fathers are doing incredible destruction to our homes. Number three, absentee husbands and fathers. Men who won't show up for their families. Number four, abusive, I'm going to park right here abusive husbands and fathers. You all know I'm a huge believer in appropriate discipline. But when a man hits a woman, God help him. God help that when a man verbally abuses a woman, there ain't nothing godly about that. And I'm going to be blunt. I've seen some pretty nasty Christian men say and do some things that has no business being said or done in a godly home. Number five. Aloof, husbands and fathers. That word aloof means holding, withholding affection and love. You know what, dads? Your kids need you to tell them that you love them. Your wives need you to tell them that you love them. I had a preacher friend tell me years ago that he grew up in a home That expressed no kind of love. That there was none of that. uh, And it was so difficult for him uh, as a father and a husband uh, to express love and affection. Our children need us to openly say, I love you. Number six this morning. Angry husbands and fathers. I've heard too many men brag about their short tempers. Brag about their hostile, uh, nasty attitudes. If I'm reading my Bible correctly, and I am, ain't no place for that in God's work. Number one this morning, acknowledge the power of your influence. Number two, man, avoid the pitfalls of our gender. Number three, arrange the priorities of our life. Three weeks ago, I was in the office at work, and I came across an article that absolutely plucked my heart. magazine was called Industry Week. It's about career and technical education, and a thousand managers and CEOs across the country had been surveyed and asked one simple question. What do you worry about the most? What worries you the most. Are you with me? A thousand CEOs, industry leaders from career and technical programs. Number one, the number one worry was personal health. The number two worry was a lack of time. The number five worry was personal investment. The number six worry was estate planning. The number seven worry was a man's relationship with his children. And number 10 was his marriage. Would you in me this morning? Our priorities are out of whack. Our priorities are all messed up when way down at the bottom of the list is our marriage and our children. Can I just submit to every man this morning, your wife and your child are nowhere near concerned about you being a rich man as much as they are you being a godly man. Hear me this morning, folks. A man's first priority ought to be God. A man's first priority should be God. How do you know if your first priority is God? Let me ask you some quick questions. Do you think about God more than you do your favorite sports team or your favorite hobby? Do you, do you give God his proper place in our finances, in our church attendance? Do we have a hunger and a passion for God? Do we pursue God in prayer and Bible study? The answers to those questions determine whether or not God is a priority. Let me also tell you that you will not make your family a priority by accident. You've got to make it intentional. You won't do it by accident. Uh, Let me also say that a man must make a priority of developing his godly character and personal righteousness. Let me challenge all of us as men, all of us as husbands, all of us as daddies. We need to give as much attention to our personal righteousness as we do our professional careers. Look at me, folks. I understand what it means to be busy i get it i get it completely but i also know what it's like to be raising children uh, and you turn around and they're grown i also know what it's like uh, to think you've got years and years uh, to develop them uh, and before you know it uh, they're out of the house uh, married and on their own you hear me folks Understanding uh, that we've got to fill those kids with that godliness while we got them. Number four this morning, let me quickly hit them again. Number one, acknowledge the power of our influence. Number two, avoid the pitfalls of our gender, men. Number three, arrange the priorities of our life. Number four, assume our place for responsibilities. You know... Responsibility has almost become a dirty word today. Responsibility is something we don't talk much about. But you amen me on this. Real men take responsibility. Real men take responsibility. Psalm 112 gives us a lot of examples. But I'm going to pause a moment and give you a Gregology statement. Pure Gregology. We're seeing in our society today what happens when we raise an entire generation uh, that doesn't learn responsibility and thinks everybody's got to get a trophy. We're learning today what happens when we raise a society uh, that believes taking responsibility is a dirty word. A lot of you have heard me share this story. My daddy... Believed in responsibility to the nth degree. The day I turned 16, I apologize if you've heard it before, act like you haven't. The day I turned 16, he gave me the keys to a very used Oldsmobile. I was dating a young girl named Tanya at the time. And how many of you know what it means when a headliner is sitting down in the front seat? That was the car my daddy gave me. Gave me the keys in one hand and a job application to Kroger's that he had already completed and only needed my signature in the other hand. I looked at him and I pointed to the application. I said, what am I supposed to do with that? He said, do you want that? pointed to that very used car and I thought, well, not really. He said, if you want that, you got to have that. And then he looked at me and said, don't you even think about missing church or letting your grades fall because I'll take both of them away if you do that. I will never forget looking at him. And I said, Daddy, this was so stupid of me to say. How many of you know when you're 16, you can be really stupid? I think there's a stupid gene that kicks in, and it really doesn't kick out until you're about 25. Amen. I looked as a very stupid 16-year-old kid at my dad, and I said, Daddy, what am I supposed to do with the car that has the headliner sitting in the front seat? He pulled out a pocket full of stick pins. And he said, go to town. I thought, surely he's going to get this fixed. He said, no, you go earn the money. You get it fixed. So we sat there in the driveway and started picking and poking stick. I bet it took 500 stick pens to get that headliner. I'm sitting there in the car, and I looked over at him, and I said, Daddy, Tanya's going to think this looks awful, like that would matter to him. He looked over at me and said, Just tell her to pretend like it's a starry night. But you know what I learned, folks? If you want something, work for it. Nobody owes you nothing. And you don't get to have what your parents, amen, you don't get to have what your parents worked all their lives to create just because you want it. Work for it. Responsibility. What kind of responsibilities does Psalm 112 give us? Number one, and I'm done quickly. It tells us to assume our financial responsibilities. The man who's talked about in Psalm 112 is a man who takes responsibility with household finances, is given to generosity. Boy, this really isn't popular anymore, but would you look at me? Here's a valuable lesson as a Christian man or a Christian woman. Learn to live within your means. Just because the Joneses across the road have it don't mean you need it. And you look at me. I promise you that whatever it is doesn't mean the Joneses are happy with it. Learn to take financial responsibility. Number two, amen, thank you. Men, husbands, fathers, assume your spiritual responsibilities. I got to tell you folks, one of the things that, guts me the most is how often Christian men, Christian men, give the spiritual leadership of the children over to mama. It guts me to watch Christian men, Christian husbands, abandon their spiritual leadership and give it over to the wife. Don't misunderstand me. Thank God for godly women. Thank God for godly mothers. But biblically, the spiritual leadership rests upon the husband's shoulders. You understand that a child's view of God is formed uh, oftentimes in that relationship with daddy. That is the reason. There are some folks who disagree with me on this. That's fine. They have every right to be wrong. That is the reason that whenever possible, I know it's not always possible, I get it, but that is the reason that I try so hard in Sunday school and Awanas to put a husband and wife team together because I want those kids to know that fathers have a place in spiritual leadership. Listen to me, church. Not only should we assume our financial responsibilities and our spiritual responsibilities, last but not least... We to assume our place in our family responsibilities. I'll end this morning with two things. Number one, when I was in college, I was taking a, at William & Mary, I was taking a sociology class. And the professor was, I didn't know it at the time, but he was a very godly man. He stood up in 1990. In, uh, in my sophomore sociology, intro to sociology class at a secular university, and he read a quote from Duke University professor and Washington Post columnist, William Raspberry, himself a well-known professor 20 years ago. And 20 years ago, Dr. William Raspberry said the following, If I could offer a single prescription for the survival of America, again, he's an African-American scholar and he said, if I could offer a single prescription for the survival of America and particularly minority America, it would be simple. Restore the family. He goes on to say, and if you ask me how to do it, my answer would be overtly simple. Save family. The boys. Save the boys. Men, would you listen to me? Our wives deserve godly husbands, our children deserve godly daddies, and it is high time for us as men to stop believing the message of media that says manliness and masculinity and godliness doesn't matter. We need it now more than ever. And I'll close this morning the way I opened it. Christian men, we need a wake-up call and start assuming the place that God put us. I'm firmly convinced it's the only way we'll save our American society. Let's stand to our feet this morning. Thank you so much for your attention. I know you're warm. I tried to be fast, and I appreciate your time. Brother Ken is going to sing us a song this morning, one verse. And I'm going to invite everybody just to bow your heads and close your eyes and pray for America's fathers. We need a resurgence in fatherhood and Christian masculinity. Sing for us, Brother Ken. for a few moments this morning on a Sunday morning to be reminded about how important godly manhood is in society. Lord, I thank God for godly women, but Lord, a woman cannot assume that place that you've given to a man in the home. Lord, I thank you this morning for those godly ladies and godly men that are raising their children and the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Help us to understand as husbands and as fathers that we've got an influence that we can impart upon our wives and our children. Lord, thank you for this church, for their faithfulness. Lord, bless us this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Would you be seated for me for about five minutes? First thing I want to do, Lydia and Rachel and Michaela, can I get you all to come up here for me, please? We've got some gifts for our uh, fathers. I want all the dads to stand, all the fathers to stand, stand, stand. If you're in your car, put your hand out the window. These girls are going to come around and give you a gift. And if I could get our ushers to come up as well, we've got our buckets here, men. I'm going to let you go ahead and be collecting the offering, fellas, if you would. Mr. is going to play for us. Uh, Don't forget our cars as well. Go ahead and start playing, baby, if you would. morning folks, I appreciate it. Uh, if God blessed you for coming to drive in church today, beep your horn or say amen. If you're really hot, beep your horn or say amen again. I turned to Ken, I said the first person in social media who gives me a little smart comment about not wearing a shirt and tie for Sunday morning, I'm going to send them out a t-shirt. Amen. Father, thank you for the time this morning. We love you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you uh, for meeting with us this morning. Uh, God, help us to be the men and women you'd have us to be. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Next Sunday we got a special gift for everybody. Help you beat the heat. It'll be a surprise. We'll see you then. Join us Wednesday night.